So people could applaud the bravado all they want with Sean Payton. I haven't been impressed. I haven't been impressed since he got here. I think he's flapping his gums too much. Uh, he's entertaining, but the experience so far with Sean Payton has left plenty to be desired. He, fa- he looks far from a savior to me. He looks like a guy who was really good with Drew Brees, left the Saints in kind of shambles when he did leave, took a year off, came back and started talking a bunch of BS when he got to the Broncos. And so far, he hasn't really backed any of it up, especially in this game against the Jets. So that's how I feel. I feel he's kind of a fraud. Hey there, and welcome into the show, Ryan O'Leary. Alongside my good friend, John Heath, it's the Broncos Wire podcast. We are powered by the USA Today Network and available wherever you get your pods. We hope you subscribe, tell a friend, stick with us each week as we try to show up and break down what happened with the Broncos. John, how you doing after what was uh, another Broncos debacle? Yeah, I'm pretty decent. No thanks to the state of the Broncos. It's it's uh, I feel like a couple weeks ago, like I was being very pessimistic of it seemed like just a few games into the season it was a lost season and now if they lose to the Chiefs which seems very likely they drop to one and five and that would tie the worst start in franchise history through six games so it's just hard to think there's anything that can be salvaged this year and I said this a few weeks ago like if they're gonna be bad I want to be bad bad like I don't want to win five or six games and pick fifth or sixth overall in the draft like I, I want to be in contention for the number one overall pick. If we're going to be bad anyway, if, we, if we're not going to make the playoffs, if we're barely going to contend to get back to like 500, like I'm just going to embrace the tank. And I know Sean Payton's not going to say we're tanking and the players are not going to, you know, say like, you know, I don't care. Like this is still their jobs. Like even if they're not uh, still employed by the Broncos next year, they want to have good film. So like a different team will sign them in free agency or make a trade for them or whatever. So I know the players aren't giving up. Sean Payton's not going to say he's giving up, but like from a fan's perspective, like uh, we're only five games into the season and I've already embraced like tank mode. Like, I don't know, Ryan, how do you feel about that? I tend to think that Sean Payton would probably be inclined to blow it up a little bit um, and maybe bring in his own personnel uh, whether that'll help the Broncos long term, uh, that's that's another conversation, and we'll get into it. But I just want to let's just start with Sean Payton talking his face off all off season, especially about the Jets and Nathaniel Hackett, right, to his buddy Ian Bell of the USA Today, and you know he's he ran his mouth and called Nathaniel Hackett. He said it was one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was, quote unquote. Uh, and then Sean Payton. Let's Nathaniel Hackett in the Jets and Zach Wilson beat him at home, John, where Russell Wilson has the ball last. Sean Payton has the ball last with his guy, Russell Wilson, the guy he was brought in the fix, and they give it up at the end, right? Just give me your lead off. I have thoughts. I have a rant that I've prepared, and I'm excited to give that to you and the people, but let me hear you first. What's your reaction to Sean Payton flapping his gums and then losing to Hackett and freaking Zach Wilson and then getting, you know, the Broncos getting dunked on by the Jets all week. Yeah, it's extremely embarrassing. And I put a poll on Broncos wire, uh, uh, like what's worse for Broncos fans, losing 70 to 20 to the Dolphins or losing to Nathaniel Hackett. And losing Nathaniel Hackett won the poll. And it's so embarrassing. And like you said, Sean Payton talking all offseason, if Sean Payton haven't said that, like this would be totally different. It'd still be embarrassing, but it'd be nobody – well, I don't think – anybody would be saying this is more embarrassing than losing 70 to 20 in Miami if 
Sean Payton hadn't gone out and talked about how much. And like the thing is, it was true. It was a disaster, but that gave the Jets bolt and board material. And whether or not like people will say like it doesn't actually have any impact on the game, like whether or not it has any impact on the game, like you're talking the talk. And when you do that, you have to walk the walk and you have to back it up on the field. And the Broncos didn't. And like, yes, they had a chance at the end. Like they could have gone down, kicked a field goal, gone to overtime or maybe even scored a touchdown, but they didn't. They blew it. And Nathaniel Hackett's offense, and like you said, Zach Wilson, like we have no confidence of Zach Wilson accomplishing like anything of note in the NFL. And like we've blasted Nathaniel Hackett of how terrible of a coach he is. Now he's not even that good of a coordinator. And then he comes in Denver and beat the Broncos. Like the the takeaway is just it's embarrassing. It's extremely embarrassing. And and for Sean Payton, like everybody dunking on him, like it's deserved. Like it's like the pride goes before destruction and a hearty spirit before a fall. Like when you talk like that, you got to back it up. Cause if you don't back it up, everyone's going to dunk on you. Like the jets did like that hilarious meme from home team. And it's just deserved. It's very embarrassing for Broncos fans. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, so let me get this straight, Sean Payton. Okay. So you roll in, you throw some dirt on Nathaniel Hackett, uh, early in your tenure with the Broncos, who you admit you don't know personally, right? That was one of my favorite lines in that article uh, is that he said, the offense, I don't know Hackett. A lot of people had dirt on their hands and he keeps going, right? Uh, so he actually says in the article, I don't know Hackett. And then I thought it was interesting, John, too, uh, this week leading up to the game, reporters asked if Sean Payton had reached out to Nathaniel Hackett if they had spoken and Hackett said, no, no, nope. So uh, he doesn't know Hackett. He didn't reach out to Hackett but he's still happy to roll into Denver and throw some dirt on him. And then as advertised to Sean Payton's credit, John, he fixes the offense, right? You just look at the stats. NFL team points per play through five weeks. I have to imagine the Broncos are one of the worst in football in that category. NFL team points per play through five weeks. The Broncos rank sixth. For a team that couldn't score under Hackett, that's pretty damn good. The Broncos have scored 121 points as a team this season. That's good. Sean Payton has come in. Russell Wilson's played better football. They look like a functioning offense. They're actually functioning at a better clip than most teams in the league, right? So all that's good. There's still a huge problem here, Sean Payton. You've been outscored by 60 points on the year. 60. Since you've gotten here, you have completely napalmed what under Vic Fangio and Hackett, the guy you threw dirt on, was an above average John borderline elite defense, right? The Broncos had. And now it's bottom of the barrel. Why? What happened? What happened? Is it because you have just no clue how to coach defense? Is it because Vance Joseph came in and screwed it up? Like, what happened? Because it wasn't this bad under Hackett. Hackett knew the defensive coordinator he wanted, and it was his guy. And the defense was great, uh, even after Fangio left. So you come in, you call it one of the worst jobs in NFL history, and then you start the season one and four. And your most recent loss is to Hackett and Zach Wilson, who, honestly, John, maybe the most ridiculous offensive coordinator quarterback combo in NFL history, Nathaniel Hackett and Zach Wilson. It is hilarious for all kinds of reasons. We all know Hackett has only got a job because of Aaron Rodgers. And then Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. He inherits this offense with Zach Wilson, who literally the Jets can't stand. And now they're just trying to figure it out with this kid who they drafted number two overall and can't play. And they're just trying to do it. And the Broncos lose a home to these guys, Hackett and Zach Wilson. Oh my God, you fraud. You fraud Sean Payton. That, this is a horrible look, especially when you and your guy, Russell Wilson, you have the ball. You have the play sheet. You have the ball at the end. You have control of the game at the end. Go win the game, and then you lose. You lose. You, don't, you, you aren't able to get it done. This is a fun uh, stat I saw when I was watching the Patriots-Saint game, John, this past weekend. 
with Drew Brees, Sean Payton's record, 135 and 76. Without Drew Brees, 18 and 16. 18 and 16. So people could applaud the bravado all they want with Sean Payton. I haven't been impressed. I haven't been impressed since he got here. I think he's flapping his gums too much. Uh, he's entertaining, but the experience so far with Sean Payton has left plenty to be desired. He, fa- he looks far from a savior to me. He looks like a guy who was really good with Drew Brees, left the Saints in kind of shambles when he did leave, took a year off, came back and started talking a bunch of BS when he got to the Broncos. And so far, he hasn't really backed any of it up, especially in this game against the Jets. So that's how I feel. I feel he's kind of a fraud, Sean Payton, so far in his Broncos tenure. What do you think? It is kind of ironic because this offseason, he literally talked about we need to keep a lower profile, basically like implying like we need to do our talking on the field. Yeah. And like we don't need all these cameras in Russell Wilson's face and stuff. And, and like he, he talked about that, like how he didn't want the team putting stuff on social media. like And like I think that's good. But then it's kind of like hypocritical because then he gets and goes and talks whenever he wants. And I guess for the most part, that was just kind of in the summer. Like he hasn't really done that in the season, but he still did it. And like now it's it's coming home and, and like on Sunday, like five weeks into the season, it's this huge talking point, what he said back in July. So it is it is kind of ironic, kind of hypocritical. Like, yeah, Sean Payton, you don't want your players to be talking. You don't want them to be in the spotlight, but then you're going to do that yourself. And then you can't back it up. So I totally get what you're saying it, it, to, to like the on, on the defense part like you said he fixed the offense that's great and the defense is a disaster and we don't have to you know beat this dead horse a ton but i think the biggest problem is that he just did a terrible job with the defensive coordinator hire and like i know he wanted vic fangio but then when that didn't work out because fangio didn't want to come back he missed on like the fallback option like vance joseph clearly should not have been the fallback option because i know denver's personnel clearly is not great but really, like, the biggest guy that they lost was Draymond Jones, and, like, he is a good player, but they also signed Zach Allen. And, yeah, maybe Zach Allen is not Draymond Jones level, but just one guy on the defensive line cannot make you go from a top defense to literally a historically bad defense. It's not just a one-guy problem. I, I really think Vance Joseph is just not getting the best out of what he has. And that's not to say that, like, you know, they have elite talent. Like, clearly this offseason and probably the next few offseasons – they really got to reload on defense. But Vivek Vangio with a similar squad and, and last year, Jero with a similar squad, I think they just did a better job of getting production out of what they had. So, I, again, like I don't mean to beat the dead horse, but like the Vance Joseph hire, I think, was Sean Payton's biggest miss this offseason. And they're really paying for it. And like there are some circumstances to consider, like Kwan Williams has been hurt for like the entire year. It's very valuable to have him as a slot cornerback. Uh, PJ Locke was out for the first few weeks. Justin Simmons missed two games. Josie Jewell was out for a game. So like there are circumstances that have, you know, made it difficult to make the defense work. But even still, like you got to get the best out of what you have. And clearly Vance Joseph hasn't done that. And like that's on Vance Joseph, but it is also on Sean Payton because Sean Payton is the head coach, the one that oversees us all the one that builds his staff and the one that hired Vance Joseph in the first place. So yeah, it's, it's not looking good for Sean Payton. I, I did a Q and a exchange with chiefs wire and he asked me like, if it keeps going like this, will Sean Payton be fired? And I was like, no, 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 it's, it's not going to go that far. Not this year because they, the new ownership came in, traded a first round pick for him 
they're not going to just turn around and fire him. Like they're going to give Sean Payton, even if this year is a disaster and just a completely lost season there, I bet they're going to give him two, three years to build the roster, how he wants to build it. And then if in two, three years from now, the Broncos are still a bad team, then okay, you fire him. Maybe even like after next season, if they're still really bad, then they fire him, but they're not firing him this season. You don't trade a first round pick for someone and then give him no time to build his team. Like Sean Payton did not build this team. He brought in a couple free agents this offseason, most notably on offense. So, I mean, like you've talked about on the pod earlier this season in the offseason, a lot of the years in with the Saints, Sean Payton got a really good defensive coordinator that he could rely on. And Payton was like, okay, I'm running the offense. You're responsible for running that defense. And if they if he could get someone like a Vic Fangio, I think that would work perfect. But Again, like Vance Joseph clearly is not that guy. So this coming offseason, I think a high priority is finding a big upgrade at defensive coordinator. Like they're not going to be able to get Vic Fangio now, but you want to get someone of like that caliber that Sean Payton can trust. Like, okay, I fixed the offense. I'm the offense is my thing. I need a proven coordinator that can I, I basically can be hands off on the defense. Cause I think for the most part, he probably is. He's not a defensive guy. But, you know, you can't be hands off and let the defensive coordinator run the defense when he's running it into the ground. So uh, it uh, it all ultimately falls on Peyton. But this year, I think he's safe. What's his contract? Five years, 100 million, John, right? Isn't that what it is? Like, it's a $100 million contract, Some, right? Something like in that ballpark. Yeah, we probably don't know the, the exact figures because a lot of times you don't know the head coach's contract. But I can tell you this, head coach's contract is fully guaranteed. There's no salary cap guaranteed money. It's all guaranteed, fully. So the Broncos are on the hook for 100 mil with Sean Payton. He's not going anywhere, guys. He's not going anywhere. He'll he'll be here. Um, and maybe it'll be through a, a rough rebuild as he as he kind of leads the charge for the Broncos to be sellers at the trade deadline. Let's talk about that. But yeah, I, I just think it is so fraudulent to throw dirt on Nathaniel Hackett and say it was one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history. And look, I, I'm not disagreeing with some of the things he said in that article about Hackett because we've been over it, John, right? But Hackett, at least hired the right guy for his defensive coordinator. I mean, Ezero Evero was excellent, excellent, and the Broncos are hurt and they're worse now because he's not here. Uh, and that's the that's the that's what it is. Sean Payton didn't fight to keep Evero here. He went and tried to handpick his own guy, and uh, yeah, it's blowing up in his face to the point where Hackett, self-proclaimed worst one of the worst coaching jobs of the NFL history, and Zach Wilson, who we don't have to tell you sucks. Those guys are beating you at home. Uh, that's where we're at. So great, Sean Payton. You can score a few more points now than, than last year. You, you, your offense scores more points than Hackett's did. You still suck just like Hackett's team did. We're one and four. Probably going to be one and five after the Chiefs. But okay, John, I had to get that off my chest. Uh, Denver traded Randy Gregory to the 49ers last week. I want to get your thoughts on that. And this topic on, you know, I, I guess Sean Payton is kind of claiming they're not going to be doing this, but you hear the rumors that the Broncos could look to blow this thing up. And Sean Payton could start handpicking his players a little bit more. Uh, and I know you have a list of players that you've been throwing up on Broncos Wire that you think uh, NFL teams could call about or have called about. Why don't you give us that? Yeah, apparently Garrett Bowles, Frank Clark, which Clark, I was very surprised. Like even a sixth, seventh round pick. I don't know why anyone would trade for Frank Clark. But um, Justin Simmons and supposedly the Broncos are not entertaining Justin Simmons, but teams have called. And then I think the two big ones are Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. And they are guys that we've known teams have been calling about for like more than a year and a half. So like I think teams kind of know that like Judy's coming up towards the end of his rookie contract. Sutton is like a good receiver, 
But, you know, the Broncos are paying him a lot of money and they're going to be in kind of a cap situation next year. So if Sutton is good, but for the Broncos, he's not someone that's like great. They have to hold on to and the Broncos want to get some cap space. You know, a team that feels they're like a receiver away, you know, might trade a pick for Cortland Sutton. I think the Broncos might entertain it. And the same with like Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy is younger and has a higher ceiling. He just he's never quite put it all together in Denver. He's never quite been like that first round prospect that like we thought and hoped he would be like his, his route running is great, but like he's never had a thousand yard season. He's never had like a 10 touchdown season. And part of that is the quarterback play he's had to put up with, but it's like the best receivers in the NFL, regardless of who their quarterback is, they're going to put up numbers. It, it, and like the thing is Judy, Jerry Judy is talented, but when you look across the NFL, there are so many talented wide receivers. Like probably more than any other position is there like really, really talented wide receivers. And like the Broncos just used a second round pick on Marvin Mims this year. And he like he's barely been on involved on offense, but every time he touches the ball, it's like uh, the potential for a very big play. So like say you trade Jerry Judy for a third round pick or even better, like a second round pick. If you get another Marvin Mims for him next year, that's great. And then like that guy's on a rookie contract for four seasons. So he's going to be a cheaper option too. So I think they should listen to calls for those guys. George Payton, or excuse me, Sean Payton. I think he was just giving the typical coach's answer saying we're not looking to move anyone just to keep things like like like, what you're not going to go out and say yeah you know we want to sell everyone and we're just going to tank intentionally like he's not going to say that and and it may be true that at this very moment they're not looking to trade anyone but if they fall to the chiefs on thursday night which again seems more than likely and if they're one in five like and then you got a couple of tough games coming up after it like it it seems like it's not going to get much better this year so is it better to hang on to these guys and then eventually lose them for nothing in free agency or maybe even cut them because you need salary cap space? Or is it better to just move them now for something? And I'm of the opinion that it's better to just move them now for something. Like those those five guys in particular, I, I would have no problem with trading them. Like Justin Simmons, you know, it would hurt, but he, he's getting up towards 30. He has a big contract. And, like, what's more valuable for a rebuilding Broncos team that's not competing this year, may not even compete the year after that? Like, this Broncos team might need, like, two or three seasons to reload. In two or three seasons, when Justin Simmons is 33 years old, what does that help you? Like, maybe he'll play, you know, well into his 30s and be a good player, but I think the Broncos need to look more to rebuild. So even him would be someone that, you know, I would be willing to listen to offers to. Do you want to talk about guys – I would not listen to. Do you have any uh, any thoughts on the possibility of trades like that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd be fine with I'd be fine with the guys that you listed. I think Garrett Bowles is an interesting one. You would definitely have suitors for Garrett Bowles if you want to move him. I mean, offensive line play around the league, John. I'm sure you've seen it. Just watching the league in general, it's a it's freaking horrible across the league. Nobody has good offensive line play. You can't find a good tackle, not even I in mean, the draft. The Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles. That's offensive one, line. Ex- one outlier. They're excellent. Oh, my God. But they stick out so much because so many teams are just so bad right now. Offensive line play is horrible. That's one epidemic in the NFL that's hurting the product. Another thing is hamstring injuries is also hurting the product. But that's a story for another day. But yeah, I think Garrett Bowles, um, that one would make sense. Although, you know, it hurts your team. You give up a left yeah, tackle. They, I mean, they have to draft a tackle, which yep. they literally, I don't think they've drafted a single tackle since they drafted Garrett Bowles, which is just uh, so silly. Like, again, like bad roster management. Yep. 
not married to Frank Clark, Justin Simmons. I like the player, but fine. Jerry Judy. Um, I've talked about him. Like he looks great shirtless running routes with his buddies in the summer, but like on the field, it's just, it hasn't really come together as you said, John. So I'd be fine with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. If you can get things for those guys, get decent draft picks, uh, I would take it. Uh, but the one guy, I think we're both in agreement. Is, is there more than one guy on the team that you wouldn't trade? I think it starts with Pat Sertan, obviously. Uh, he's a franchise corner and you need him. Uh, but is there anyone else besides Pat Sertan that you wouldn't part ways with? Or do you think they're all fair game? Yeah, Sertan is the number one guy because like you're not, say, if someone's trading for Sertan, it's like a contender. That's like we want a corner and like we're about to go win the Super Bowl, like hypothetically the 49ers. This wouldn't happen. But if the 49ers were like, hey, because Sertan is this good and because we're gunning to win a Super Bowl this year, we'll give you two first round picks for Pat Sertan. But then the 49ers are really good. So that first round pick is the very end of the first round, basically be a second round pick. And are you going to get someone at the very end of the first round, like this year and the next year, that's as good as Pat Sertan? Like, no, like you just, you cannot replace him. And to me, he's like the kind of guy that like, if they do trade out different players and load up on picks, like he's the kind of guy that you're hoping to acquire with all these picks you're stockpiling. One of the best at his position in the NFL, he's still on a rookie contract for two or three more years. So he's someone that to me is untouchable. And there's a couple more guys that, you know, I would like to keep. And because they're on rookie contracts, I think it would make sense to, but they're not necessarily untouchable. I just think it makes sense to keep someone like Baron Browning and he's coming back. I think he will play on Thursday night, but he's been out this year. I think he has very good potential as a pass rusher. Obviously, Marvin Mims, like I mentioned, they just drafted him. Like, especially if you trade Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims is a guy you want to have for the long haul. And then on the line, like, I would be okay if they trade Garrett Bowles for value. You just obviously got to replace him. But Quinn Miners, their guard, I think he's their best offensive lineman. And again, on a rookie contract. So when you're rebuilding, it makes sense to have guys that are on a cap friendly deal. And then uh, I put a list on Broncos wire with those four guys. And then I also put Javante Williams. I don't think anyone would trade for Javante Williams anyway, just because of the injury stuff he's coming back from. And this season he hasn't really kicked on yet, but I I still have hopes for Javante Williams. Like if someone wants to trade for him, like I would consider it. I I don't think anyone would want, but like Pat Sertan's the number one guy. Marvin Mims is making plays. Quinn Miners is a good offensive lineman and Browning, I think is a, a very promising pass rusher. I think if he gets back to being healthy, I think he will be the team's best pass rusher. And that will help after they trade, traded away Randy Gregory. And like Gregory, they, they basically just moved up from the seventh round to the sixth round in the draft in exchange for Gregory, which I was fine with because he clearly has not been good enough. He's been a huge bust signing and like, People have talked to me like, should Sean Payton be on the hot seat? Will the Broncos fire Sean Payton? I'm like, no, they're not going to do that. But I do think that George Payton, the GM, he might be on the hot seat because he's the George Payton traded all those picks for Russell Wilson. He hired Nathaniel Hackett. He gave a massive contract to Russell Wilson. He gave a massive contract to Randy Gregory. And I think Payton has had some very good hits in the draft. But some of his big misses in free agency and some of his big misses in personnel, like hiring Nathaniel Hackett, I like I, I think if it obviously if it comes down to Sean Payton with versus George Payton, obviously George Payton is gonna be the odd man out. Like the ownership did not pick George Payton. They inherited him. But the ownership did pick Sean Payton. They even traded a first round draft pick to get him. So I think 
Sean Payton is going to be given time. He's going to be given time to rebuild this roster. George Payton, on the other hand, you know, I I don't know if if like this offseason they might move on from him. And sometimes teams will let like their scouting department go through the draft and then they fire them after the draft because uh, for like a scouting department and like a GM, the draft is like the end of the season instead of like the end of football season being the end of the season. So this coming spring, I think George Payton is going to be a a very interesting person to keep an eye on. Uh, But in the meantime, you know, he's still their GM. So teams are going to be calling George Payton. I think he should be picking up the phone and listening, entertaining these offers and trying to get draft picks to load up for the next few years. Yeah, I think I think the George Payton commentary is very fair. Um, and we've had these conversations a little bit over the last few months, right? Um, super fair. But those who think Sean Payton's on the hot seat, no. No, guys. Sean Payton's probably going to get to choose when he leaves the Broncos. It's not going to be the other way around. He's going to be here. They're going to see this thing through. So I'm not impressed either. I get it. I get it if Broncos country, the majority, are not happy and want Sean Payton. They want to believe Sean Payton's on the hot seat, Sean. He's not. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> They're going to let him pick the groceries, I think, and maybe we'll see it here at the deadline. It's crazy. The NFL trade deadline is uh, Halloween this year, and the Broncos are in this Kansas City sandwich now where you know can- uh, Green Bay is the meat and Kansas City is the bread. Right? You have two games against Kansas City and Green Bay in between with the first one here on Thursday night. After that second Kansas City game at home on October 29th, literally the trade deadline is that following what? Monday or Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. So, uh, you know, <laughs> spare me, John, while I try to figure out how many days are in October. <laughs> Sorry. 31, <laughs> 31. 31. Yeah, 31. Thank you. What's the song? Uh, don't, don't sing it to me. Um, anyway, <laughs> so that'll be interesting because there's a really good chance that the Broncos are two and six at best at that time um, after that second Kansas City game. And then we see, uh, we see what happens at the trade deadline. It'll be... It'll be interesting to see what Sean Payton and company do. Uh, George Payton and company do. I'm sorry, but yeah, Sean Payton, his seat's not even close to being hot. It's not even warm yet. I don't think that's my opinion on it. He's not going anywhere, John. So people got to stop wishing for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's it's not happening. And no. I think most fans, I think, are not necessarily calling for it. I think some are just kind of pondering, like, will that happen? I think it's mostly like national pundits and you know outside people. People like from a more national perspective, like, oh, Sean Payton went to the Broncos and it's a dumpster fire. Now he's just going to get canned. And I think they're just not looking into the the more context. I think it's more just kind of hot take reactions, more so than like your everyday Broncos fans, I think, are, are thinking through it more. Yep, there it is. So uh, we'll get into, um, I'm sure we'll get into more on this stuff over the next coming weeks, but still we have a Thursday night football game against the Kansas City Chiefs. John and I will be back to break that one down right after this. Uh, but first, our friend Corey Bonini. He's got advice for week six from the huddle.com for your fantasy football team. Corey Bonini with the huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number six. Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Baker Mayfield versus the Detroit Lions. Detroit has allowed at least 22 fantasy points in four of the five games this year and now has significant injury losses mounting in the secondary. Mayfield has provided starting returns in half of his contests and he's coming off of a bye week. This could be a fairly high-scoring event, so Mayfield is in play for those who look to stream the position. Running back Isaiah Pacheco, Kansas City Chiefs versus Denver Broncos. With a TD in three straight contests, Pacheco now has a crack at a Denver unit that has permitted running backs to score at the second-highest rate. No team has surrendered more rushing yards per contest, and this is the best overall matchup for both primary fantasy scoring systems. 
Don't be surprised if Pacheco produces a personal best fantasy showing in Week 6. Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver Tyler Boyd versus Seattle Seahawks. Boyd's ceiling really hinges on whether T. Higgins returns, but he could still be useful if not. The matchup is the best in fantasy, and there's even a chance the Seahawks can post enough offense to force Cincinnati into a shootout situation. Boyd makes for a quality injury or bye week replacement versus a defense that has been the easiest to exploit for catches, the second weakest at limiting yardage, and has given up five scores in four outings. Tight end Logan Thomas, Washington Commanders at Atlanta Falcons. Chicago gave up a line of 977-1 on 11 targets to Thomas in Week 5, and he should keep it rolling versus an Atlanta defense that has yielded 7 receptions, which is the second most, nearly 63 yards, 6th highest, and a touchdown every 11.7 grabs, the 10th highest rate. He's also an interesting waiver addition for those looking to play the matchups, but he's just an all-around solid play. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back. The uh, Broncos have a tough one, John, at Kansas City, short week, Thursday night football. Not a good spot. Uh, I know they usually play the Chiefs tough, but this is a tough spot, especially coming off that loss to the Jets. The Chiefs have not looked like themselves, I'd say, right? But they have rattled off four straight since that ugly week one loss to the Lions. Uh, They had an ugly one this past week against Minnesota. They won it 27 to 20, even after Justin Jefferson missed a lot of that game with a Hamstring injury. Again, hamstring injuries all over the NFL. Uh, what's your leadoff takeaway? What do you think about the Broncos Chiefs? Do you think they got a shot in this one? I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth, Ryan, because I think sometimes in the NFL, just like dumb things happen, like a one and four team going on the road and beating a four and one team. Like on paper, you look at that and you're like, oh, that'll be a, a gimme game. And then the one and four team wins and it was just like, what? And, and sometimes like a division game. Uh, someone that's at the top of the division, clearly the best team, and someone's at the bottom of the division, clearly the worst team. And just they're so familiar with each other. They hate each other, and it's just like an upset. Uh, like the the 49ers will probably trip up to somebody in the division this season just because they know each other so well. They play each other so often. But that doesn't mean the 49ers like, are, are going to not make the playoffs or whatever. Like the 49ers are still going to be the best team in the NFC, but they'll probably trip up once or twice in their division. It just happens. So I – I will never rule out the possibility of like any given Sunday, in this case, any given Thursday of a team, you know, that has no shot of winning upsetting them. And like the Broncos too, they've lost 15 straight games. And so that doesn't mean that that doesn't make them more likely to win this, but like at some point the streak is going to end. And like at a time when nobody expects it to happen, like maybe that's the perfect time for it to happen. Just like a fluky, division thing that nobody sees coming maybe the broncos are going to upset them in kansas city so and then the negative side is like like you said the chiefs they've kind of got back on track the last few weeks the broncos defense has been absolutely abysmal and and like the offense is not has not necessarily been a problem last week russell wilson it seemed like he was scared to throw the ball downfield and i assume That's because the Jets have a very good defense, and I think the Jets were just doing a really good job of taking away what the Broncos were trying to give Russell Wilson. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to be as good at that as the Jets' defense. We'll we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think Russell Wilson is going to be able to put up points against the Chiefs, and I think the Broncos are going to be able to score some points. The problem is, will they stop the Chiefs' offense one time? Like, every drive – will it be like that Dolphins game where – like, obviously – 10 touchdowns. I don't think that's going to happen, but like are the chiefs going to be scoring every time they touch the ball with, with all the weapons they have and with what well, actually 
Travis Kelsey is questionable. So we'll see that that will be a big thing. If Kelsey's not able to play, that will obviously be a big factor. But I just think even if Kelsey's not there, even if, you know, the Chiefs don't have like a clear wide receiver one, uh, like the Broncos defense is just so like Zach Wilson just beat them. Like Justin Fields looked like a Hall of Famer against them. And maybe maybe Fields is going to turn out to be a decent quarterback and maybe the first few weeks of the season we should toss out the window. I don't know. But I just know before pl- playing the Broncos defense, Fields was having a terrible year and then he had a huge game. And, and Zach Wilson, the week before playing the Broncos, he actually did play the Chiefs pretty well. But uh, the, the defense, I mean, again, beating a dead horse, the defense is so bad. I can't back them to allow fewer points to the or yeah allow fewer points to the Chiefs than the Broncos on offense scores. Like I think the Broncos will score some points, but they I just don't think they're going to be able to stick with Kansas City because Kansas City is going to score too many points themselves. So that that was a long rambling rant, Ryan. I like I leave room to anything can happen in the NFL, but I'm just worried the the Chiefs are just going to put up points in bunches. I hear that. I mean, here's a kind of a fun stat. The last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs was in 2015. And uh, Patrick Mahomes was celebrating his 20th birthday. He was a sophomore at Texas Tech at that time. So that's that's how long it's been since the Broncos have freaking won a game against this team. But they have come close. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, Hackett's teams played the Chiefs. Uh, Hackett's team played the Chiefs tough last year, right? The game in Kansas City on New Year's Day last year, 27-24. Remember that one? Yeah. The Broncos were 13 and a half point dogs. They easily covered. They were in that ball game. Now, obviously they weren't, they didn't have it, their crap together enough to win it, but uh, they were in it. And then the game in Denver, I, that was a, a Jerry Rossberg game, right? It might've been either way. Yeah. Either way. It was a, a bad Broncos team last year <clears throat> stuck with them. Right, right. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't have given Hackett credit for that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, John, I don't like to give out um, random credit to Hackett if I don't need to. Um, the Chiefs did win 34-28 in Denver. So again, another one-score game. At, to your point, these divisional matchups can be a little weird. The Chiefs have not exactly been blowing teams out. Now, I know Denver's defense is in a bad spot, uh, but I don't think the Chiefs are like the offensive juggernaut they've been in the past. I don't think they're anywhere as close to Miami. They don't have they don't have the speed and skill position players that a team like Miami does. And to your point, if Kelsey's out, like that takes away so much. How the Chiefs look? Was it the Lions game week one where Kelsey sat? He had the injury in practice and they didn't look right. They didn't look right. They lost that ball game. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think there's a, a path for the Broncos staying within 10 and a half? That's the spread. I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but could they stay within yeah, 10 and a half? I would not back them to win the game, but I do think 10 and a half points is a lot of points. Like a nine point loss is a significant loss. Even a 10 point loss is a significant loss. They just lost 31 to 21 to the Jets. And that game was at least felt closer in that it was just a touchdown at the end that put it away. So like I, and the Broncos had a couple one score games um, against the chiefs in recent seasons, like you mentioned last year. And then even in the Vic Fangio era, there was a couple times where they lost to them by uh, one score, like an eight point loss. So I could see this being an eight, nine, 10 point loss, and that would cover the spread of 10 and a half. So if there was one thing that like, I would say is a possibility it would be covering that, but I wouldn't back them to win the game and I wouldn't even be confident about picking them to cover 10 and a half. No, not confident either, but I'm kind of leaning that way just because division game Thursday night games are always kind of ugly. The chiefs have not really looked right. Like that Minnesota team is awful and the chiefs kind of struggled a little bit with that team. You know what I mean? The chiefs aren't quite right yet. I don't, I think after Thanksgiving, the chiefs will be the chiefs. 
They're just not quite there yet. Uh, so, and you look at Denver's games, like obviously the, the Miami game, throw it out. That's an outlier. One point loss to Vegas, two point loss to Washington, the comeback win against Chicago. And then that game against the Jets, what was it? A three point game? When yeah, Wilson threw the pick the six, there, yeah. yeah, the pick six or the fumble six. What was it at the end? I forget the play now. Fumble six. Fumble yeah. six. The fumble six. So I mean, they've been in every ball game. They've been close. They're the offense is moving the football. Uh, the defense should be way better than it is. I don't. I I do not understand what's going on on that side of the football. So if you want to shy away from it because of the defense being that bad, fine. Um, but I think this could be an ugly Thursday night football game where the where the Broncos can hang within a score or lose by ten. I. I might lean to take the points, John. That's that's a lot of points, but tough task. Tough task in Arrowhead. Uh, Thursday night football. It's almost like you see that on schedule day. It's like a scheduled loss almost. You know what I mean? That that short week at Arrowhead with the Broncos history against that team. It it does feel like this one was an L before the season. You know, it's kind of one of it yeah. does feel that way. I actually was feeling I mean, maybe I'm just too optimistic in general, but this offseason looking at the schedule, I I was really feeling optimistic of like, this is the year the Broncos are going to win a like a game against the chiefs. And like, you know, a short week for the Broncos is also a short week for the chiefs. And like, if that makes them not have Travis Kelsey, like that's even a bigger thing. So in this off season, I felt more confident about this game than I do right now. But looking at the Broncos being a one in four team and just how they've played in recent weeks. Yeah. It's, it's just hard not to feel pessimistic about them and about their chances on Thursday. Like I would love to be proven wrong and I would love to us next week, come back on the podcast and, and talk about, you know, the Broncos finally broke the streak against Kansas city. That would be great. But also on the other hand, it would kind of not because then it'd be like, okay, we beat the chiefs. Now what? Like we're still presumably a bad team, still presumably not going to make the playoffs. And we just hurt our draft position. So it's, it's kind of a lose, lose, but that's, that's an extremely pessimistic way to look at it. So maybe I shouldn't be bringing pessimism like that. Like, let's go win in Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> you're a Broncos fan, John. It's okay to have <laughs> pessimism. Um, anything fun you're working on for Broncos Wire leading up to uh, this kickoff or maybe afterwards? Because you got this whole weekend. What do you do on a weekend where the Broncos don't play? Do you take some time off at the Broncos yeah, Wire? Yeah, we'll, we'll do a lot of uh, post reactions. A lot of, I mean, a lot of it will depend on how the game goes. Like, if they upset the Chiefs, then it'll all be happy enjoyable things a bunch of quotes from players and coaches of you know how great this is and how you know we're going to turn the season around and if it's just a disaster then it's going to be more of the same of the kind of game coverage that we've had of, of how the Broncos are making history this season in all the wa- wrong ways so Thursday na- night will dictate a lot of how this coverage coming up this week under Broncos Wire will go. Broncos Wire's got you covered right up to the kickoff and beyond check John and his staff stuff out it's excellent I'm sure you know that if you've found the podcast and if you're new to the podcast thanks for hanging on all the way through we hope you enjoyed what you heard john and i are both a little under the weather this week so hopefully we can get back to full strength john we'll hydrate here over the weekend and get back ready to roll next week but for john heath i'm ryan o'leary we'll catch you next time